Our prayers this morning, Lord, that you would keep us abiding in you, that we would find ourselves rooted and grounded in you, Lord, and not in any anything else, but that we would um, our priorities would be sharpened this morning, that we would want to know you in our lives. I pray that your word would speak to us this morning, Lord, and that you would filter it so that only the things that are important will stay in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We, um, three of the readings that Rob brought to us this morning, I'm sure you saw, three of them were about vines and vineyards, weren't they? Um, which I'm not going to be preaching about, but it's a good reminder, I think, that uh, what God wants and expects from his people is fruit, is growth. Um, he doesn't expect that we live lives of a sort of stagnant passivity where we just enjoy, you know, being God's people and feeling safe and secure in our salvation. But that there should be life and growth and fruit in the way that we live, whatever that means. I say that as a start because I'm going to look at the Philippians passage. And if it helps you, uh, it would be kind of worth having it open, I think. The Philippians 3 passage. Um, I can't remember what page number that's on, but you'll find it on the, the waterfall. I was preaching somewhere recently, not here, and um, at the end of the service, somebody came up to me and said, you're a bit Calvinist, aren't you? And I didn't quite know what that meant, really. But they said, you seem to be... You seem to be implying that, you know, salvation is all of God, that God does everything, and it's all about what Christ has done, and we don't have to do anything. And I said, well, that's about it, really, yes. I said, you know, our salvation is all of Christ. It's all of grace. It's not about how good we can do. He said, yeah, but we can do some things, though, can we? Um, and so I thought, well, yeah, we can do some things. Uh, but it's not about earning our salvation. Uh, but So I want to talk about what those some things are today, because I think the reading in Philippians, Paul is, is quite clear that of what we do. There's a lot of action and activity going on in that passage, isn't it, in Philippians 3. But he does start off, at the starting the reading at least, saying, kind of giving his credentials of all the things that he could be boasting about when it comes to his spiritual status. Um, he says, if anyone thinks he has reason to, to uh, put confidence in the flesh, I've got even more. Think about me, I've been a really good Jewish believer. I was circumcised on the right day, the eighth day. Uh, I, I've come, not only am I from the people of Israel, but from a really good solid tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I've studied the law. I'm a, I'm a card-carrying Pharisee. Um, I've, I've proved my zeal for God by persecuting those that I thought were against you know, the Jewish uh, law. I've persecuted the church. 
faultless. As you, could, you couldn't find any fault in me as regards my legalistic rituals and so on. He said, if I had to boast, there's my CV. There's my credentials. And then he goes on to say, and it's all rubbish. It's all rubbish compared to knowing Christ. Because nothing in that list wins the salvation and the, the love of God. Only what Christ has done. We wouldn't have a, our CV wouldn't be a bit like that. But maybe we'd have similar sort of, well, you know. I had to write something recently because I was speaking somewhere else. But uh, they said... Big yourself up, you know, give us a little CV of what you've done. And uh, we, we're not good at bigging ourselves up, are we? And I started to go, well, I've led things here and there. And I, thought, so, I started to think I wasn't so bad at all, really. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's the same idea, isn't it? None of that, none of that. Whatever, we've, whatever list of things and achievements we've done in the church or whatever in the past, that doesn't win your salvation, does it? It doesn't earn your salvation in Christ. You know, it's only what Jesus has done. And that's exactly what Paul is saying, isn't it? So what does he do? What's his list of activities that he's doing? And that, this will be a kind of rambling long list, forgive me, um, but, and some of it will overlap. Well, I think the first thing that I think he does is to simply to weigh that up and to evaluate it and say, um, all this list of good things that I've done as regards what I thought was the faith. Whatever was my profit, I now consider it loss for the sake of Christ. He comes to a conscious evaluation and to realize that actually, um, you know, the insufficiency, if you like, of human zeal to fulfill the demands of, of a holy God. Um, he counts it as loss. And I think there's a kind of letting go in that as well, isn't there? Letting go of those things, counting them as loss. Um, any sort of distracting sense of personal entitlement that we might have. You know, well, you know, I've been in the church all my life. We have to let that go. I've done this, I've done that in the past. I've given this, I've given that. We have to let that go. And to say, that's not the important thing. What does he compare it with? Well, we'll come to that in a moment. Um, certainly, this any idea of putting on a show of spirituality, you know, that has, to be, that has to be gone, doesn't it? It has to be left behind. And we have to come to God naked, if you like, and saying, look, nothing that I have done, nothing that I have achieved is really... Uh, Winning your love and your, your grace, but only what Christ has done. So what does he prioritize then? Let's look at it closely. He says, um, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. In other words, it is all about Jesus. It really is all about Jesus. And it's about knowing Him. There's this kind of uh, absolute 
dead certain central prioritizing, isn't it? That our faith is not about rituals and complicated acts of doing things. However much we might love the, you know, everything that we uh, associate with being church together and doing worship together, if we lose track of what it's all about, who it's all about, then it becomes just a jumble of nonsense, doesn't it? It is all about Jesus. And, and Paul hones us in on this, doesn't he? Everything else is lo- considered loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And I think those words are carefully chosen. He's saying it's, it's about Jesus, but it's about knowing him personally, my Lord. It's about knowing him as Christ, knowing that he was the one sent by God as the Messiah. It's about knowing him as Lord as well, the one who rules your life. Um, Amen. Uh, What else? Let's read on in that, that passage. I consider them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. Uh, let's go back a bit. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him. It's a funny, funny term, isn't it? To gain Christ. But we get the idea of what he's saying. I want to hold on to Christ. But you know, the, the, the funny thing about that is he says, I, it, it sounds like it's us who's doing the work, doesn't it? He says, but when we realize, when we come to Christ, we actually realize that we've been found by him and in him. You know, he's really the one who has done the work and has brought us to him. Found in him, not having, and he's underlining this now that we keep saying, not having a righteousness of my own, he says, but of one that comes through the law. In other words, by trying to do good things. But that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes by, from God and is by faith. We, he, you know, if you think I'm banging on about this, Paul does it even more, doesn't he? You know, reminding us again and again, our salvation, our standing before God is not by what you've done. Not of works, he says in another place, that anyone should boast, but only by faith in Jesus Christ. What else does he do here? Look at this next verse, verse 10. I want, and I, I, there's kind of determination in that phrase, isn't there? This is what I'm aiming for. I want, what does he say? I want to know Christ. Can you see why we sang that first hymn now? That, that first hymn is based totally on this passage, isn't it? Um, I want to know, in the second verse, Graham Kendrick wrote, I want to know you more. Um, And this is what Paul says here, I want to know Christ. And he's, there's a a determination here, isn't there, to, um, not just to be called a Christian, but to realize that it is about having a relationship, an intimacy with Jesus Christ. Even though we don't see Jesus Christ in the flesh, we can know him 
in our spirits and we can foster that relationship or allow ourselves to be fostered into that relationship of knowing him of being intimate with him and of knowing his presence with us we won't feel it all the time but there is a sense that we can grow in that knowledge and hopefully like Paul we will say I want to I want to know him I want to know him more there's a, there is a we can get a bit um, vague and sentimental when we talk about you know, knowing the presence of Christ in our lives and thinking it just means to have a nice feeling you know, to feel peaceful and to feel loved and so on. And that's great and that's lovely. But look at what Paul says here because actually he's got pretty wide definition of what it means to know Christ, doesn't he? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. In other words, if I really know him, then I will know the power that he gives me that is beyond material and beyond physical. Something special that can energize aspects of my life. But what else? I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and, oh here's one we'd like to leave out, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Do we want to know that bit about it? I'm not sure we do. Desperately want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. But Paul says, if we really want to know Jesus, you know, this is, this is the whole thing. We know his power. We also know the privilege of, of suffering for him. Uh, the sufferings we might have endured for the sake of Christ are probably pretty minimal, aren't they? You know, maybe somebody makes fun of us because we're a bit religious <laughs> or something. It's, it's hardly great suffering generally, is it? It might be, you know, we might be dropped off somebody's Christmas card list or something. I don't know. It's not great suffering. But I doubt if we're really standing for Christ that we will know no suffering at all. You know, there will be times when there will be persecution and there will be things that we will suffer in contention with a world that, is, that has quite other aims and, and priorities. So I want to know Christ and the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead, keeping our eyes on the fact that, you know, he will raise us from the dead in him. Um, it's important, isn't it, that we are people who fix our eyes on that resurrection and remind ourselves that there is a life. We have been given a life beyond this one and that even if we, we have a pretty hard time here, we will be given a new life in Christ. We looked at Psalm 23 in the house group this week and reminded ourselves of the way that that wonderful psalm ends, you know. We might go through the valley of the shadow of death, but the ending of that psalm in Psalm 23 is, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
there's a sense in which, however difficult our lives are, we are a people, we are a resurrection people who keep our eyes on the fact that this is not the end of our lives. Um, the book of Hebrews lists, doesn't it, the people of, of, uh, people of faith. And it, it reminds us that uh, however difficult their lives were, it says, um, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And that's the way we are. We know that you know, we will be granted a life in Christ. We're beyond this life. And um, that hope, uh, in some ways, kind of energizes us, doesn't it? And keeps us going and fuels us. Karl Marx, of course, said that that kind of religion is the opiate of the peoples, he said, because it just keeps them passive. You know, if you believe at the end you're going to get a lovely heaven at, you know, after life, then you'll put up with any nonsense here on earth and you won't do anything to alleviate your, your situation. God's word says the opposite, that actually, if you have that hope, it energizes you to, for action now. You will live life that is more purposeful. You will live life that has focus. You will live life that helps you to serve and to change things. Now, so, sorry Karl Marx, we disagree. Um, back, to, back to Philippians 3 then. Now, he goes on to verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect. So there's that uh, rejecting any kind of complacency. And that's important, isn't it? That we don't come to a point where we say, well, we've done it. We've done our bit. And we've, yes, I've reached the status now of a grand old Christian sage. And I think, you know, I've, I've uh, performed my, my bit. I can rest now. He's saying, no, you know, I, there's still more to learn, still more to know. Um, so, I press on. <laughs> I press on, he says, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, I can't say I will elucidate everything that that means. But I know one thing it means is that he's saying your life, his life, has value and purpose. And that we discover that the more that we press on with our lives in Christ. You know, we were saved, we were made God's people, not just to make up the numbers, but because each of us has purpose and value and dignity. And God wants to, to see that flourishing and to see that in, in use and action. So we reject the complacency and we press on. And we acknowledge the value and purpose of our lives. And then, sort of finally, he says, But one thing I do, 
Oh, brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. There's still that rejecting the complacency and moving on. But brothers, one thing I do, and then he talks about three things he does. Sorry, it's a bit like that song we said earlier. One thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining towards the head, pressing on to the goal. Forgetting what's behind, first of all. Is that good? Well, let me suggest that he's saying, forgetting, first of all, your mistakes, forgetting the things we did wrong, but also, maybe forgetting, or at least putting behind you, the, the things you've done right as well, the achievements. You know, like we said earlier, don't rest on your laurels. You know, whatever is you, he's enabled you to do in the past, brilliant, lovely, but still, we don't stop there. Let's press on. There are more things to discover. There are more things to do. Um, straining towards what is ahead. Straining. What is ahead of us? Well, we've said already. You know, whatever Christ has prepared for us, but even beyond that, a life with Christ in glory. And then finally he says, um, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. It's a bit mysterious, this little talk of prizes. He's using the, the picture, isn't he, like of an Olympic runner that needs the motivation of seeing that there is something ahead. The something ahead for us is, is Christ, isn't it? Is to be with Christ forever. As I thought about these words, I, I began to think, well, it's alright for someone like Paul to say this, isn't it? Because he's, you know, he's got a real sense of mission, you know, he goes from country to country and he goes through all these sort of persecutions, getting stoned, and he's got a sense of bringing the gospel to Gentiles. So yeah, sure, he can say, you know, God has taken hold of me for particular purposes and, um, and so on. But is, can this be true of us ordinary little people as well? I propose, yes, it is. And I think it's there for us to learn from. That actually, for all of us, we can say, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There is purpose and value in all of our lives. I have learned a lot from my eldest daughter, um, who often comes out with quite wise things. And I remember a few years ago she said to me, Dad, I used to think I would really call to like do big things, lead a church or something, you know. And she said, and, and since I've become a mother and things, I think my calling might be just to be a good mother and a good wife and a good uh, member of my congregation, you know, and she said, and that it would be enough in some ways, you know, to do that to the glory of God. And um, simple thing, I know, but that is important for us to, to know that, isn't it? That, you know, our calling might seem quite an insignificant one in some ways, but it's still a high calling because the little things are really important to God, aren't they? The little things matter. 
And who, who's to say what's little anyway? We, last week we were thinking about the last being first and so on. And uh, all our priorities being jumbled around. Okay. So, um, I think we're drawing to an end now. But uh, as you can see then, yes, our salvation is all of him. But can we be active and doing things? Yes. Like Paul, we can be forgetting what's behind, not resting on our imagined achievements, straining ahead, pressing on, prioritizing, knowing Christ, having that wider understanding of what it means to know Christ, both the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Um, Straining ahead, keeping in mind the glory that he has Uh, called us to of knowing Christ and being in him forever Amen